Welcome to Thrive Deeper, the show based on the Thrive Bible Reading Guides. This is an ongoing conversation about God's Word with Thrive's author, Dr. Matthew Jacoby, and your host, DJ Payne. G'day and welcome to Thrive Deeper. It's episode 131 and it's your old host with the Holy Ghost here, DJ Payne, your old mate DJ Payne here. And I'm particularly excited for this week's episode. Why? Because not only do Matthew, Jacoby and I sit down and go through the entire book of Ruth, from the Old Testament, one of my favourite stories. But I also have some great news for you about everybody's favourite band, one led by Sir Matthew Jacoby, Sons of Korah. Yeah, we've got some Sons of Korah news for you, so I want you to keep on listening to that through this episode as well. Well, enough from me. Let's get straight into the episode now. Open up those Bibles to the Book of Ruth. It's the eighth book in the Old Testament there. Open it up and get ready for for another great episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew, I've got to be honest, at the beginning of this podcast, this, we're about to do a podcast uh, episode on, on the Book of Ruth. Yeah. And I want to start off by saying, studying the Book of Ruth over the last you know few days, yeah. and have, having read it multiple times in my lifetime, yeah. I feel like I'm in an oasis. Yeah. Of, yeah, me too. Of like, then, then this, and this might be not only have what we've been reading through with, with the book of Judges, but also what's going on in the world around me at the moment, and a lot of the conversations yeah. are about, about what's happening in the news and everything mm. else like that. I, I've, I have found the book of Ruth just to be like, oh, can I, <laughs> can I stay here? Can I stay here with Ruth and Naomi for a little bit longer? Yeah. Because I'm, I, I have. I felt like it's almost like God is God is you know, and His ministering angels have helped me in mm. this time, you know, by reading the Book of Ruth. This is such a refreshing book, yeah, and it's so rich, isn't it? Oh. It's such a rich book, and it's interesting because um, I think for a lot of people, read over this book, and it's a story about you know uh, some girl you know hitches up with some guy and they and and there's some weird little ceremonies and then oh gee what's all that about yeah and it's only four chapters it's tiny it's only four chapters and and they're you know and you think you know perhaps at a surface reading it's hard to see much significance in it but it actually is richly richly significant and the purpose of this episode (laughs) is to help to explain why this is so significant in so many ways yeah uh, this this little book is Massively. is uh, is a gem. Yeah, and, and in one sense, even if you approach it as just a love story, you know, there's value in that. There's sure, value in yeah. that. Uh, you know, there's a few different ways to, to approach it because the book the book is really rich. All right, so let me just do a bit of an overview here. The Book yeah. of Ruth. Uh, it's the eighth eighth book. In, in the Bible, uh, you know, comes straight after the book of Judges in the old Hebrew versions. It was part of, it was like mm. almost like the uh, the uh, the epilogue, of, you know, of the book of Judges. You know, the, yep. we read the book yep. of Judges and then we get, and now yep. we get this lovely moment yep. in the book of Judges here. So, it's, it's happening around about 1300 BC, roughly. We don't know exactly when. We don't know exactly who wrote it. Probably Samuel had something to do with, with mm. overseeing it being part of the story here. Um it's uh, it's it is only. I go probably a little later than thirteen hundred BC. I'd probably go more around twelve hundred. Yep. I think. Yep. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well. Yeah. yeah there's yep. again. There's different different arguments <laughs> yep. for for why, um, and we'll get to that. Uh, the um, 
there's only two books in the entire 66, 66 books of the Bible that are named after women, mm-hmm. Esther and Ruth, mm. in both of them in the Old Testament. And the thing that they have a, a, a common, there's a common thing around them, i.e. we don't know exactly who wrote them. Uh, they, they sort of cover this weird period mm. where Israel is sort of not doing, you know, in, in this, you know, weird sort of time. But they also, the common thing between both of them, much more Esther than Ruth, is they don't really talk about God overtly. The narrator doesn't say, and then God said, and this is what God is doing, Mm. or that is what Mm. God is doing. They both have an attitude of, and we see this multiple times in Ruth, and then by accident, just seemingly happens that this, like it's this beautiful picture of, hey, God's working through circumstances Mm. that, you know, he works through Mm. all the circumstances. So it's, you know, it's it's a fascinating book at the end of Judges to give us an idea of what life was like for the everyday person in the, in the book of Judges. And and we've got, uh, you know, the characters that we, that we're going to be spending time with the three main characters. We have Naomi, um, you know, the Israelite, Mm -hmm. Uh, we have the daughter-in-law Ruth, you know, mm-hmm. the, 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 who, who's the book is, is named after. She's she's a she's a Moabite, not not an Israelite at all. You know, foreigner there. And then we will meet, uh, you know, in the old-fashioned words, the kinsman redeem the kinsman yeah. redeemer. Yeah, we'll talk about you that. know uh, the you know the Israelite Boaz. And so uh, I think to really paint the picture right, Matt, and I'd love to know what you think about this. I think we need to go back and talk about Moab. Mm. to understand yeah. the significance of having a book in the Bible named Ruth, the Moabite. Yeah, that's right. So, the origins of Moab actually come from uh, the story of Lot and Lot's daughters. Yeah. Uh, so One of the worst stories. Yeah, one of the worst stories where they got their, you know, they wanted to have children. They, they were, because of the circumstances, uh, they didn't have husbands. And yeah. so, they got their father drunk. Yeah. And they slept with their father and Moab and um, uh, Am- Am- uh, Am- 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 Ammon, I think. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, we'll just, just quickly check that. Yeah. Um, but Ammon. certainly, yeah. Mo- yep, that's right. Moan, and that's where you get Moab and Ammon. And um, and so you have this slightly inauspicious beginning for the uh, for the story. Of and if you want to read about that, that's in Gen- that's in Genesis nineteen, mm. the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and Lot. Yeah, you know, that's right. Lot yeah. and his daughters making and it. And then up. and then of course the Moabites. Remember, it was the Moabites that uh, the Moabite women that dis- that seduced the Israelite men at the end of Numbers. There, that story at the end of Numbers. Yeah. This is after you know after hiring Balaam. Yep. The this sorcerer to curse Israel, yeah, uh, that kind of doesn't work. So we we uh, we, we have the Moabite king Balak, yeah, uh, you know, in Numbers twenty two to twenty five, you know, really thwarting, yeah, to to take down the Israelites right back then yeah. in the time of Moses, yeah, you know, so the Moabites living on the eastern side of this whole region here, yeah, sort of dwelling over there, they have been a thorn in the side, yeah. Of God's people, yeah, that's right. You know, right, right from the right from the you know uh, from the beginning. Of that even in the book of Judges that we've just read through, in Judges chapter three, we see that the Moabites, you know, at least for twenty years, suppressed the people of Israel yeah. in different places. Yeah, you know, being you know, uh, you know, being horrible there. Uh, but it's also, you know, also you know, if we sort of jump forward after the after the book of Ruth. Moab doesn't, you know, Moab it features heavily in a lot of the prophets. Mm. You know, Israel, uh, yeah. Isaiah, Jeremiah, yeah. Amos, 
you know, um, all or, you know all of these prophets prophets prophesy heavily against Moab. Yeah, and and what and the first one to first one to do that is you know right at the beginning is uh, Deuteronomy, um, Deuteronomy twenty three, uh, in, in in outlining the laws here Moses. Talks about those yeah. who will be excluded from the assembly, yeah. and he says no one born of a yeah. forbidden union may enter the assembly up until the tenth generation, yeah. and then included in that is no Ammonite or Moabite yeah. shall enter the assembly of the Lord into yeah. the tenth generation. None of them may enter the assembly forever because they did not meet with it, you know. And they, so, what's the reference for that? That is Deuteronomy twenty three, yeah, right. yeah, and and it says because why? Because of the sin of Balaam and Balak yeah, and what happened right. happened yeah. at that point. So on the back of that, Moses pronounces a curse yeah. over the Moabite yeah. people. The the prophets continue, yeah, to to to, to make curse you know talk about the curses there, and it and it culminates 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 sorry culminates <laughs> in in the fact that i can't remember if it was um uh, i think it was amos who says you know at, at a certain point no no i think it's isaiah saying that it, at a certain point within in within multiple you know three generations i think yeah. he says the moabites will be ta- totally taken away and we know from history that in seven in i think about seven uh 15 700 bc yeah. It's the king of Assyria, it's yeah, Sargon, yeah, that's who right, finally yeah. comes in and wipes them yeah, out. That's right. Yeah. Literally wipes them yeah. out, assimilates the people. Yeah, that's right. That'd be around seven fifteen, seven twenty, around that sort yeah. of date. Yeah, that's the that's the history of the Moabite, you know, yeah, the Moabite people. Right. And in the middle of this, we have we have the yeah, book we have this story, and that's actually really important background for this story because uh, they are they're cursed, they're excluded, you know, and you think, man, that's such. That's bad news for these people. But isn't that the story of mankind? Yeah. Isn't that the story of humankind? That it is, uh, it's the story about uh, uh, this fallen, uh, originally children of God who are, you know, cursed in a sense, excluded in very important senses. And yet God wants to nevertheless include them. Yeah. Uh, so by by their own actions, they have brought a curse upon themselves. By their own actions, they have excluded themselves and the generations after them. Yeah. You know, um, and yet God has a plan to actually include those who are, you know, naturally and um, according to His justice excluded. Mm. Yeah. But grace is going to. Is going oh. to triumph, not 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 to the not to the exclusion of justice. Uh, not God is not dismissing justice because God is just, but God is going to fulfil justice in order to include those who are naturally excluded. Now, this is the this is the the beauty of the Book of Ruth because massively, so. you know, what we have here is one of these great stories of that anticipates the fact that God is all about including those who are excluded. Yep. We have these, you know, the story of Jonah uh, is, is a famous example. You go to Nineveh yeah. and preach, you know, and, and preach to them. What? Yeah. No. What? No, they're excluded. <laughs> no, but see, you know, and, and of course, yes, for a time, God was focusing on Israel's people, but there are these hints mm. all through the narrative. Uh, you know, we talked about that when we talked about Rahab, for example, well, all of the space that's given to Rahab in the book of Joshua. Well, you interesting <clears throat> that you mentioned Rahab because it wasn't until really doing a deep dive 
through the Book of Ruth for this particular study that, you know, putting all the pieces together, and I'd love to hear you comment on this. We, we'll get to this, you know, we've just read, you know, so you're going through the book and you read Judges, uh, before Judges is yeah. Joshua. And, and right at the beginning of Joshua, you have this, yeah. again, you see the heart of God mm. in the person of Rahab. Yeah. This, this you know, and I, and I love the, you know, going down the deep dive of, of who Rahab is. We, we know that she, there was some sort of level of prostitution around that. A lot of scholars would say that she was probably an innkeeper mm. or maybe both, yeah. you know, type yeah. of thing. And so it makes a lot of sense if you imagine like the old Wild West saloon yeah. that the, that these yeah. these uh, Jewish spies go there to get intel on what's going on, yeah. you know. And and Rahab, in, in her understanding of who God is and looking after these spies, is redeemed. Yeah. Now, you read the lineage of Rahab. Yeah. And Rahab marries a guy... Uh, Salmon, yeah, and their child is Boaz, yeah. In you know it, yeah. we see that in the lineage. Yeah. So so yeah, again, we'll, right. we'll, yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll get to the remarkable, we'll, yeah, and we'll, we see that, and that's you know, and of course, um, you know, Ruth is included in the genealogy of Christ, yes, uh, as is Rahab, of yes. course, uh, as is Tamar. You go back to to Tamar, yes. and so you've got a Tamar who tricked her father-in-law, yeah. you know. To be the kins, or to be the kinsman yeah, redeemer right. for her. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and so and they have Perez, and and the genealogy at the end of the book of Ruth yes. starts with Perez, yes. and goes right through to David, yes. and um and Boaz sort of becomes this Boaz and and particularly Ruth yes. become this link, this crucial link in the chain uh, here. So, um, so uh, but I love the fact I love the fact that this theme of God, God. You know, God. You know, God's Father's heart of, of of absolute love and you know graciousness and mercy and you know this willingness to to not 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 to put, you know he, his judgment is there, but he's willing. He's so willing to forgive. Yeah, so willing to forgive and take on. Boaz obviously has grown up with that mm. in you know in Bethlehem where he is with his parents telling yeah. him the story. Yeah. Of you know Ray, his mother's background, yeah. and I'm sure there must have been some sort of, you know, mm, thinking about it from some yeah. people. But obviously she's redeemed, and they yeah. understand that she's yeah. you know she's one of them now. And Boaz has grown up in that, and then Boaz gets to experience yeah. a very similar story. That's he's right. he's yeah. open, yeah, the outsider who's yeah. who's brought in, yeah, because yeah, his mother because yeah. his mother's an outsider. His mother's from this, you know, you know, was yeah. a foreigner who was brought in, and so now when he gets that's a pro- right, yeah. And know, so we talked about when we talked about the story of Rahab, we talked about that that in all of these stories, this isn't just history for oh, just in case you wanted to know, yeah. there's actually prophecy as it has a prophetic element to Amen, it. Amen. Yeah, uh, a prophetic message, and I don't just mean foretelling um, but in in a lot of cases what we do have is prefiguration is is this it's prefiguring something yeah like a shadow of something yeah to that's come, right you know, yeah something it's, more it's solid a hint in the future. it's, it's yeah. creating a pattern of the way that god works uh that is going to be fulfilled in the future and uh and so these these stories about the outsider those who are naturally shut out mm. being drawn in mm. is uh, these regular moments where that happens is a key clue to where all this is going. And, and this story of Ruth really is, is, is one of the most obvious of those because of all of the things that you said about the Moabites, the, the, the acrimony between the, the Moabites and the Israelites, the fact that they're shut out, they're under a curse, they're, you know, that they had previously been the problem and seduced Israel. And all of this, all of this lies in the background. And, and the fact that the book of Ruth 
um, and this is good background, I think, as we you know move to look at the at the story itself. We need to remember this is happening in the the darkness of the period of the judges. This is the um, this is the good news in the midst of all of the badges. I mean, actually, in the book of Judges, is I mean, the the theme of the grace of God runs right through that. Yes. But this is the uh, this is. This is the supreme message of the good news yeah. in the midst. So, in all of that darkness, and, and this story sits somewhere in there, yeah. chronologically, we're not exactly sure yeah. when, but it, uh, it sits somewhere in there in the book of Judges. Now, because of the gene- genealogy, we have a fair idea of where this set of the sits history of it, uh, yeah. chronolo- uh, chronologically more than we do about the individual judges. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But, um, uh, but, you know, it's, I think, important to recognize that this is happening in the midst of that darkness. Yeah. So, even even as Israel is rebelling against God, um, you know, and the, the, the line in the book of Judges that's repeated, in those days Israel had no king, everyone did as he saw fit. What we have here is God's provision mm. for that king. Yeah. Uh, God is is putting the pieces together generations before, in the midst of that darkness, yeah to bring about that king that's going to unite the nation and bring them back to God. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, it's also on the, uh, you know, that's the, because there definitely is a theme through the book of Judges and Ruth of why we're about to enter into this time of the kings, yeah. why it's important. Yeah. But there's also the aspect of just, you know, historically and also spiritually, as you have mentioned in looking at the book of Judges, the book of Judges historically is Israel's dark ages, yeah. you know, the middle, yeah. you know, the yeah, dark right. yeah. dark ages there, but it's also spiritually the yeah, dark ages right. for yeah, Israel. Yeah. So, in that darkness, there is a little light, this little candle yeah. that is lit in the darkness and it's and it's from not one of God's people. Yeah, that's right. Not an right. Israelite. Yeah. It's from a Moabite. That's right. It's this Moabite woman who who is faithful when she doesn't need to be faithful yeah. and it shows that God is faithful when yeah. he doesn't need to yeah, be faithful. Right. So, well, oh, it's it's so it's so oh. I mean Ruth Ruth is the church. Yeah. <laughs> like, you know, is, is it, you know, amen. The, R- as in the gentile church. Yeah, yeah, age. the gentile church. Yeah. 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 It's it's you know, we who have been grafted in. Yes. This is us. Yes. We are Ruth, yeah. you know. Yeah. And and this is where this yeah, this is such an amazing story of, of of grace. Anyway, let's let's get into this story. <laughs> let's get let's get into it. Uh, uh, we we start obviously in Ruth chapter one. We have very very quickly, and we won't spend a lot of time here because these characters disappear straight away. Uh, Naomi's family. Uh, the time of the judges is famine. Uh, okay, the, let, let me let me just slow you down. Whoa there! <laughs> I, I I need to slow you down because the just the uh, there's a little bit to say in terms of setup. Okay. Uh, and, and and hurry me along here right. if you want, but I haven't, if, even, I haven't even got through the first sentence. Yeah, I know, I know, I know, I know. You haven't even got through the first sentence, so this could <laughs> we could go all day here. But uh, you know, uh, the first line in the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. Now, straight away, the fact that there's a famine in the land, in 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 the sort of biblical way of thinking, that should trigger. Uh, a memory of Deuteronomy and the Deuteron- De- yeah. Deuteronomic curse, right? Yeah. Particularly because we're in the days when the judges rule, right? Yes. And in those days, Israel turned against God and and everything went bad. Yeah. So we're in we're in one of those lulls. We're yeah. not in in a time when a judge ruled and yeah. and uh, we're actually in one of the 
in one of the bad times here. Yep. Okay, so there's a famine in the land, yep. which means that they're suffering a Deuteronomic curse. This man from Bethlehem uh, in in Judah, uh, and uh, you know, of course, Bethlehem is you know is to be the place of the birth of the king and, yes. and everything. Uh, he goes and he lives rather than repenting, you know. Uh, in in the land and 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 crying out to God, yeah. they just hightail it out to Moab. Yeah. Now that actually is a problem. Yes, that's a problem because uh, you know you are abandoning the promised land. Yeah. It's 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 the reverse of what Joshua did. Yeah, Joshua came into the as they were commanded, go into the land. Yes, and and dwell there. That's and- your inheritance. Now there's a famine, so rather than repent, they're actually going out of the land. Yeah, it's like. Going back to Egypt, and, he, and not only that, he's he is doing exactly this guy. His name is Elimelech, the the the, the guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's not around for very long, so don't worry, Elimelech. You don't have to remember that name. Uh, he's got his wife Naomi. They've got two sons. They head into into Mo, uh, Mo, you know to the land of Moab. Okay, red red lights, yeah, red red yeah, red yeah. lights should be flashing. This isn't yeah, a good yeah. guy. This isn't a great guy. No, that's right. Yeah, this isn't really good. Yeah. They're going there, but he's doing it out of desperation. He's, he's, you know, yeah. he's, he's, you know, the, the the family is starving, but it gets even worse. He fulfills the 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 curse that you know Balaam and Balak, yeah. the Moabites, were their scheme. Like he's one of these people who were yeah. a victim of the scheme because he allows his two sons yeah. to marry Moabite women. That's right. And that was the plan yeah. right back in Deuteronomy. That's right. Yeah. The evil plan that they were yeah. judge judge for. Let me like say ah, whatever. And let's let's marry. Yeah. Well, so this isn't a good guy. No. Elimi- you know, lest we think, oh, you know, these that we're reading about virtuous people here. No, 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 th- no. that's not what we're seeing. Elimelech does the wrong thing. He goes out of the land. He lets his sons marry these. Interestingly, uh, his name in the in the light of the the judge's background, uh, over which it said in those days Israel had no king. Yeah. His name actually means God is my king. Wow. Eli, uh, El, 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 El is the word yes, for God. Yes. And Melech is the word for king. Wow. Eli, uh, which is the, the E is the possessive in the wow. Hebrew. Uh, wow. Eli, Melech. Well, and, and, we, and we see this, so, we, so, we get, so then we're introduced to the, <clears throat> to the Moabite wives, uh, or, uh, Orpah and Ruth. Now, yeah. if I accidentally mispronounce her as Oprah at some point, um, I actually went. I actually, this is how deep of a dive. I've never thought of that. Well, this I don't is, know why I've never thought of that. I, I know. I, when I looked at it, I, I actually read it out loud to myself and yeah. I went Oprah and I was like, hang on, hang on, it's Oprah. I actually found out Oprah's mum named Oprah after this person oh, in the Bible really? and she spelt it wrong. And that's why we have Oprah, not Oprah. As the most famous, you know, you heard it. Here. You heard it I on know. Thrive Deeper. Yeah, there we go. There we go. I got that from two different sources, and I think right. that is true. I've double checked it as much yeah. as I can. Anyway, enough about Oprah. So we have Orpah, <clears throat> the Moabite, and Ruth, the Moabite, the sons. They are married to to uh, Elimelech's boys. Yeah, uh, sons for ten years. Yeah, and they are childless. That's an important point, yeah. Matt. So, That's so, important. So point. again, again, we have something that very much looks like a people under a curse. Yes. You know, and again, in, this is not saying anything about uh, um, anything enduring about infertility or yes. that's not what this, this at this particular point, definitely in this context, yep. that's what that signaled that this, the fact that they were uh, infertile, the fact that the land is infertile, the symbolism around that 
yeah. suggest suggests uh, a Deuteronomic uh, curse. Definitely, <clears throat> definitely. And, so, and, 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 and the book, the book yeah. of Ruth, even reiterates that. So, basically. And I'll just add, can I, let me yeah. just add to that one, yeah. add your finish your sentence <laughs> in a moment. Uh, the, it's been suggested uh, that it actually isn't the women who are infertile, but the, the, the men, uh, because the, the women are Moabites. They're not bound by that Deuteronomic yes, curse. Yes, yes. Uh, and, and also the fact, again, that as soon as Ruth marries Boaz, now we could, again, say God enabled that. Yes. Uh, and it doesn't say this, but... Um, uh, but the the assumption that commentators make is: look, it probably was the men who are under that because, yes. you know, yeah, the, the women aren't under, uh, uh, you know, have, yeah. aren't under this law. Totally, totally. <clears throat> so, um, you know, uh, yeah, and we also get the picture of that that Naomi has been able to have two children while they were living in the in their promise. Yeah, they were yeah. living in the promised yeah. land. They were having yeah, kids yeah. coming over here. Anyway, so we get to the point where the the curse is really there because. You know, all men, all the men have died. The father dies, Elimelech, yeah. and then you know, years later, the 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 two sons die. Yeah. So we have this odd trio of Naomi, the the mother, and her two daughters-in-laws. Yeah. You know, uh, you know, Orpah and, and Ruth, with their mother-in-law Naomi, and then they the together they hear the news, and this is where it really. Uh, comes down to the curse that you're talking about. Yeah. Naomi heard, hears that the Lord had paid attention to His people back in Bethlehem, yeah. and food, there was giving them food. Yeah, and you wonder, you wonder what's going on there. Uh, it, you, you would assume again in this context, you would assume that this has happened because they had cried out to the Lord, because there's been some kind of. Yeah. Uh, to some extent, some kind of spiritual turning back, and that. That perhaps is reflected, of course, in Boaz. Well, because Boaz that, is a righteous man in the midst of a dark time. And you think, ah, oh, is there maybe, maybe that's a reflection of, of, a, of a bit of a revival yeah. of something here. That's, a, that's a, one of the Jewish, uh, in, the, in different Jewish Talmud, you know, rabbi, yeah. you know, writings. Yeah. And they, gee, they go on with a lot of hoo-ha about, yeah. you know, different things that they make up and different interpretations. But that's one of the points. Yeah. That that meanwhile, back in Bethlehem, Boaz has finally risen to a place of prominence, yeah. and he is he is establishing righteousness back in the land. Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. Okay. And again, that, yeah, whether it's Boaz, yes. that leads that, we don't know. But yeah. certainly, you would assume in the context yeah. that some kind of spiritual turning back to God that this is a, this is God responding to the cries of His people. Yeah. That's fair in the Book of Judges yes. because we see that when God works. It's always in response to the cries of his people. Yeah. Okay. So people are, you, you would assume then people are turning back to God. And, and then, of course, you would obviously then assume that Boaz is part of that move, uh, that turn back to God. Yeah. So. Now we get we, we we need to start speeding up here. So yeah, we'll speed up, right? Go, <laughs> you speed us up. You, this is your responsibility. <laughs> I'm going to be fast. No, I think that's important yeah. to set set the scene. So as as the three women are leaving uh, the land of Moab, heading back to Judah, uh, Naomi says, "Listen." I can't produce any more children for yep. you because that culturally that was meant to happen. Yep. You know, the, the women yep. were meant to marry, you know, future sons. Well, they're not going to be hanging yep. around yep. to that. And, he's, and she says, look, you're under no obligation. You know, yep. your culture, your people, yep. 
Go get married. Go get married. Yeah. Go back home to the land of your parents. Go back home to your house of your mothers. Start again. I'm so sorry for this. And, you know, she, she uh, you know, they, they weep loudly because obviously the, there was a family connection here. Uh, Orpah goes back and Ruth says, no, I'm not. She clings to her and says, yeah. no, I'm going to go. Naomi's like, now look, your sister-in-law's gone. You go as well. And then we have this beautiful speech, and this is where we get to know yeah. the heart of heart of Ruth. Uh, you know, she says, for wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. May Yahweh punish me and do so severely if anything but death separates you and me. She swears that she's going she's gonna to be yeah. there. And Naomi lets her. And so uh, they, they come back into, um, you know, they come back into Bethlehem. They come back into their land there. Naomi... Very dramatically, and we get this picture of Naomi that she's a real dr- bit of a drama queen here. Don't call me Naomi more. Call me Mara. My name is yeah. the Lord is bitter. You know, like she's yeah. I'm hard done by, but we're back. And they yeah, get it's back. It's the background. For, so she's saying, you know, I've, <clears throat> I've been cursed in a sense. Call yeah. me bitterness. My life has been bitter. Um, uh, and they just happen to arrive. Yeah. At the beginning yeah. of the barley harvest. That's right. So, you know, so essentially what's going to happen here is God is going to bring, bring blessing where there is curse, classic biblical yeah. theme. Um, Ruth's comment is interesting, and, and this is the moment in, in the sort of biblical mindset. This is the moment when Ruth transfers. It's, if not her conversion, you know, it's, it's very much something yes. like her profession of faith. Yes. This is the moment when, what, you know, as, as we would say, this is, you know, where you say the sinner's prayer and you, you commit yourself to, be, to Christ or yes. uh, this is the moment, this is her moment where she says, your people will be my people. And it's interesting the way that that, that I, I actually love the way that that's put. The, the, to become a Christian is to become a part of a people. Yeah. It's That's not good. just an individualistic thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, uh, she's not saying, oh, well, now I'm just going to accept your God as my God. Yeah. That's part of it. Yes. But no, your people are going to be my people. Wow. So, so, and this is, this is such a biblical idea, is that the decision to come to Christ is the decision to belong to a people. Yeah. Where I, where I in a sense, give up my individualism not my individuality, yeah. but I become give in you know, my individualism. It's not just about me. I'm becoming a part of a people yeah. with a corporate purpose. I'm going to be part of this, and yeah. that's what Ruth is saying. And you're taking. She's taking on a new identity. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. You know, yeah, not, I'm not going right. to. I'm not going. My identity is no longer. Yeah. You know, the Moabite. You know, yeah. type of thing. I'm going to take. That's on right. This, yeah. Because you know, remember, this is anticipating. Yeah. The bringing in of the Gentiles. Yeah. Yeah, it's, oh man, yeah. it's so good. It's so good. It's so it's so rich here. All right, let's take a quick break. I know we've got three more chapters to go. We've only got three chapter right. one. We'll, we'll get there. We've, we've painted the picture here because now this is really, you know, we're about to see one of the most classic scenes of all scenes, Ruth, Ruth and Boaz meeting here in chapter two. So let's take a quick break here on Thrive Deeper and we'll be back with more of Ruth in just a moment. family it's your old mate dj Payne, and don't worry we'll be back in the book of ruth here on the episode in just a moment but first 
want to tell you something a little bit different. I'm always amazed when I get to meet people who've been listening to Thrive or reading Thrive and they don't realise that Matthew Jacoby is Matt Jacoby from Sons of Korra, from the band Sons of Korra. Yeah, look, not only does Matt, he's an overachiever, this one. Not only is he, is he a professor at a university, not only is he, is he a lead pastor and a teaching pastor, not only do we love him for all the things that we do at Thrive, but not good enough for Matt. He's also got to be a lead singer, songwriter, and a great guitar player for the band Sons of Korra. It's a, it's a wonderful band that has been around for decades, putting the Psalms to music. Now, a lot of you I know are fans of Sons of Korra, and you're saying, of course, but did you know that Sons of Korra have an app? That's right. They've got an app. The app has all of their music and new music that they're releasing all the time. It's absolutely fantastic. So if you head over to the App Store in your phone or the uh, Google Play Store, the App Store for the iPhone, whatever platform you're on, and type in Sons of Cora, which I'm doing right now on my phone, and do a search straight away, it'll bring open the app Sons of Cora. So download that and sign up for Sons of Cora because there's something really cool that we've just started in the app. You can't get enough of me and Matthew talking, especially when it comes to music. So in the app, we have just started a Sons of Cora biography, like an audio biography telling the story of how Sons of Cora started. It's like its own little podcast within the app. You want to check that out because not only is it just me sitting down with Matt Jacoby interviewing him, but we've got all the original members of Sons of Cora coming into the studio and letting us know about their memories of starting the band. It's going to be absolutely fantastic as we build it and grow it. But there's so much more in the app. It's not just the podcast, obviously. There's music, there's videos, there's written pieces, there's artwork to see. And one of the things that I really love is that the band Sons of Cora often shine a spotlight on new artists that I've never heard of before. So it's a fantastic app. Get out there and download it. Check it out. You won't be sorry, trust me. And plus, let me know what you think of the new podcast we've started in the app itself telling the story of Sons of Korra. All right, that's enough about that. Let's get back into the book of Ruth here on Thrive Deeper. It's Thrive Deeper, uh, DJ and Matt here, and we are going through the book of Ruth, the Old Testament book of Ruth. Now, we've just covered the background of Israel and the Moabites. We've covered the history and the you know, the curses and all of this different stuff, and we've just got to the place where the person of Ruth is with her mother-in-law, Naomi. Uh, she is childless. Uh, they come grieving back into the homeland of Naomi, which is the 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 you know the place of Bethlehem and Judah, and they've just arrived at the beginning of the barley harvest, and we now arrive in chapter two, where uh, we meet the man Boaz. Yeah, this is where it's interesting about the book of Ruth. You don't get a lot of direct statements about God doing things. What you do get, and this is the classic. Uh, way in which the biblical text is often very understated. Yeah. You get a very similar thing in, in the other book of the Bible that is named after all in the book of Esther, where God actually is never mentioned, yeah. but it's heavily implied. And, and it's almost a stylistic thing. Yeah. You're being asked 
to recognize where God is the at work. Of God, yeah, yeah. You're, you're being asked to enter this and it's not being made explicit in order for you to recognize it. And it's the same thing in the book of Ruth. There are these key moments where you're being called to, it's like hint, 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 hint. Yeah. And, and there are these expressions uh, in Hebrew um, that are as close to what we get as it's that, um, you know, by sheer luck or yes. by chance yeah. or, you know. It just so happened. Yeah, it just it? so happened. Yeah. And and, uh, and we get this in, in verse three. So, um, uh, so Ruth uh, says to Naomi, let me go out in the fields and pick up the leftover grain. Um, now, <clears throat> first of all, that's quite dangerous. Yes. Uh, she's putting herself at risk there in yep. going out. And, and what, you know, what's the idea there is that she's going to go out to where, to the fields, and she's going to glean the bits that are left behind. Now, there's a provision in the law that's made for that yep. um, in uh, Leviticus 19, for example, where it says, you know, when you harvest your fields, don't harvest everything, leave something for the poor yep. and the alien. Okay. So, so in one sense, Ruth already understands that that's a provision. Yeah. And, and Naomi may have explained that to her, but, uh, but, but probably short of compelling her to go out and do that, because remember we're in the period of judges yeah. and women aren't being particularly respected. If we, you know, yeah. recall uh, what's going on in the midst of this period. So, uh, and, and as it, from what Boaz later says uh, to Ruth, it becomes very evident that, yes, she did put herself in quite a dangerous yes. position going out in the fields because she could well be uh, attacked and probably raped by, uh, you know, by the men yeah. uh, at that time. It, it's, a de- it's a desperate time. It is the Dark Ages. And it's also on the back of a famine. You know, I'll just, you know, they're coming after, yeah. you know, they're coming after a yeah. So, there's a lot of desperate so people That's right. There. So, to go to what I was saying about the, you know, the chance, these chance moments yeah. in verse three, <laughs> it says, as it, t- so she went, right? She ent- enters a field and she's gleaning and it says, as it turned out, and, and in, in Hebrew, it's like, you know, it's, it, she it, it, it to- chanced upon a chance. <laughs> yeah. It's something like that. It's, it's yeah. a strange expression yeah. in Hebrew. It's sort of chanced upon a chance that she was working in a field belonging to Boaz, right? Who was from the clan of Elimelech. Okay, so she didn't know this. This is, and you're meant to, you're meant to recognize divine providence here. That's that's what this is. It's like hint, hint. Um, uh, and then uh, just then, and yet we get another one, right? Just then, at that moment, she did that right at the moment when Boaz, who wouldn't always, who wouldn't be expected as the landowner to, to always be there in the fields, just then, uh, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem and greeted the harvesters. Okay, so and and he sees her, and so we get these chance, uh, these chance moments. So um, when it's pointed out that she's a Moab, um, and he's uh, obviously. Uh, you know, he's heard some things about her. So he says to her, uh, my daughter, listen to, and my daughter is a, is a standard expression of, uh, of patronage yes. in a sense. Yes. Uh, listen to me, don't glean in, the, in another field and don't go away from here. Right? This is, he's, this is a, yeah. a gesture of protection because and, he recognizes how, how, um, how dangerous it is. Stay yeah. here with the women. You know, uh, I've instructed the men not to lay, and again, this yeah. is an indication of how dangerous it is. I've instructed my men, don't lay a hand on this woman, yep. uh, you know, and, and yeah. so forth. Yeah. It, it, it's really interesting to see, though, that the culture that, that Boaz has has got there with his servants and, he, and the people yeah. working the fields, his, his, his workers, Boaz's workers, um, 
they have provided provision for Naomi. They're, they're, they like when he comes on and says, "Who's this?" Yeah, they've got the whole backstory. So she, there's been some sort of connection yeah. there. Yeah, they know about it. And in in on the testimony of Boaz's trusted men, Boaz then takes it one step further because they they sing her praises. They're like, yeah. "This is the hardest working woman we've ever seen. Yeah. This is amazing." And so he really. Well, he's come from Bethlehem, so he may well. Uh, he may well have heard. Yeah. Yeah. He, he may well have heard this. He might have heard the story yeah. as well. So, um, you know, and we have this beautiful, beautiful pictures, you know, of, of him, you know, allowing thirst protection and everything like that. Uh, you're, and then, you know, she says, uh, well, we get that picture that he does know about her yeah. because in verse 10, she says, why are you so kind to me as she bows so low? Yeah. And he says, listen, everything you've done for your mother-in-law since your husband's death is yeah. been fully reported to yeah. me. You know, how you left your father, he, he lays it out and he says, you know, you may you receive uh, a, re- a full reward from the Lord God of Israel under whose wings you've come for refuge. Oh, right. beautiful, beautiful So she picture. goes away with an absolute bounty yeah. from this, <laughs> you know. Well, I mean, makes, they really load her up. Well, he makes sure she's fed, you know, in the break time. Yeah. She makes sure of this and she gives him and he, he gives her, uh, you know, some commentators say about 75 pounds yeah, worth of yeah, barley yeah, to take right. home. Yeah, yeah, so about 13 kilos, I think. Yeah, uh, yeah. Even uh, more, even yeah, more. Yeah, you know. even more than that. So she goes home to Naomi and Naomi's absolutely staggered. Where on earth <laughs> have you been? She's expecting a few crusts. Yeah. Um, and she reports this and, and Naomi can't believe it. It's like, what? Yeah, yes. Hang on. He's oh, one of our yes. kinsman redeemers. Yes. So let me, can I, l- let me take a few moments to explain that because that's a very central idea yeah. uh, in this book. So a kinsman redeemer was uh, a relative that was responsible, and generally a relative with the means, um, who was responsible, the, the responsible person in the family uh, to redeem other family members in case of uh, extreme debt, slavery. If you lost land, that person would redeem the land back. Look, when we think of the word redeem, we, we always think of it in terms of, sal- you know, uh, saving our souls from, you know, yeah. it, you know Jesus as the Redeemer. Uh, this concept existed before that, and our, the concept of Jesus as the Redeemer comes from yeah. this concept, a very um, uh, sort of much, uh, a concept that was embedded in the law, yeah. f- concept uh, that had a lot to do with the welfare of God's people and provision for anyone who fell into slavery, who lost their allotment of yeah. God's promised land. Yes. That this redeemer would be the one to, if they had to sell themselves into slavery, the, the kinsman redeemer would be the one to buy you out of slavery. Yep. If you lost your allotment of the land, the kinsman redeemer would be the one to buy that back. Kinsman redeemer was also to be the avenger, avenger of blood in cases where there was injustice. He was the one to yep. to um, <clears throat> see that there would be justice. Uh, and. And he was also the one to um, play the part uh, if, if um, and this is a, another very important concept here, if a man died childless as Elimelech's sons did, yeah. for, you know, at this point and in that culture, their, their notion of eternal life was that your name lives on. It's a very um, biblical idea, you know, the covenant where God says to Abraham, I will make your name great. Yeah. What that means is your name will endure. Through your generations. Yeah, through through the generations. Uh, and and it's, a, it's kind of, 
in, in, in a sense, their version of I- eternal life before they understood uh, about eternal life as we would uh, understand it. So, so that was a big deal, your name, li- your name living on and, and being carried down through the generations, like, yeah. you know, sense of your legacy being, tra- being carried along. So that was important, you know, in, in the biblical kind of worldview. So the, pr- this provision was made that if, if you fail to have a son that would carry on your name, yes. then what would happen is that a relative, generally the old, oldest brother of the man who uh, died childless, yeah. would marry the widow and they would have a child and that child would take on the name of the deceased. Yes. So that the deceased's name, because yeah. we're on. not just talking about surnames, we're talking about their name uh, would be carried on yeah. you know, through the generation. So it was a provision for that as well. And the kinsman redeemer was responsible either for doing that or seeing that that uh, would, also w- uh, happened. Would happen. And it's a very... <clears throat> It's a very uh, transact, as we'll see. It's a very transactional, yeah, yeah, yeah. very financial, yeah. you know, contractual, yeah. you know, type of arrangement. It's it's even though we've got it in the, and this is what makes the Book of Ruth so special. We have it in this very romantic love story, yeah. but there is an element of it that is like, you know, no, oh, no, it's this very is, transactional. Yeah. yeah, I think yeah. Let's not let's not look for too much Hollywood in this. <laughs> Uh, we're going to have problems with that. Uh, uh, yeah, uh, I'm happy. I'm happy to go a little bit All more right. Hollywood. All right, push us forward. The uh, the uh, so so we get into chapter three, and at the end of chapter two, we have we have basically throughout the entire harvest there of the barley and the wheat, Boaz has given Ruth special provision. Um, Boaz makes sure that Ruth is allowed to come in and do that yep. all the way through. So through the entire harvest season, that's the pattern. That's right. Ruth and it turns going- out that Boaz is that kinsman redeemer. So yep. meanwhile, while she's doing that, <clears throat> Naomi obviously is like, I'm going to figure this stuff out. And yeah. Naomi's going to go and talk about it, see everybody, talk to the family and everything. And then we get at towards the end of the harvest time here, Ruth's mother-in-law says to Naomi, my daughter, shouldn't I find security for you? Talking about this kinsman mm. redeemer idea, shouldn't I find, you know, a, a relative yeah. of, of you know, your, your deceased husband <laughs> to take on the name? Mm. Now, isn't Boaz our relative? Haven't you been working with his female servants? Uh, now, this evening, they're going to be doing all the winnowing of the threshing for. She said, now, now finally, and the idea here, here is take off the widow clothes yeah. Take off the mourning clothes. Yeah, that's you know, right. you're yeah. no longer a widow, all right? Yeah. You know, get go have a nice, you know, put on the nice clothes that I've got yep, for you. Put here. on perfume, yeah. Yep. Make yourself look as good as you can and um go to the threshing floor, find out where the men are, find out where Boaz's, you know, yeah. uh, you know little uh, you know little little uh, kip, you know place is mm. here and when they finally go to sleep and everything is done, you go and have this very strange cultural practice, you know, uncover his feet, lie down there at his feet and then he will explain what you should do for there. And and Ruth you know, this is where we get the idea of, you know, Ruth just being this amazing w- woman. I will do everything you say. Yeah, that's you know, right. She was she was totally and yeah. so we get this we get this incredible scene. So at midnight, Boaz rolls over and there's Ruth at his yeah. feet and he's freaked out, waiting to go, hey, yeah. who are you? What's going on? And and she says, and this is really bold of her. When she says, I am Ruth, this I love this picture. You yeah. know what I think about this word? I am Ruth. Your slave, mm. she puts her place in herself in the place of a slave. Mm. Spread your cloak over me, for you are my family redeemer. Yeah. Now, now that Boaz knows exactly what Ruth is getting at here. Yeah. 
This is not a you know Boaz yeah. knows. Yeah. Oh boy. Okay. This is this is it. This is really happening. Yeah. So the um, the spreading of the garment. She asks him to spread the garment over her. This isn't uh, seduction. Uh, as this is actually that's how you. That's what really marriage. It's a it's a proposal in some sense. Yeah. Uh, she's asking him to take her under his. Yeah. Covering as her husband. Yeah. So now, that's that's so the the spreading spread your cloak over me. Yes. <clears throat> is not just saying oh let's sleep together. Yeah. It's saying, you know, take me under your covering. Yeah. It's a symbolic gesture. At and that and time. and Boaz's response. And this is, I mean, we're introduced to Boaz and we hear that he's a noble character. But this is where we really see his noble character. And we get an idea here that he might be a little bit older. You know, he might be, you know, a little bit older than older than you know Ruth here because he says. You know, uh, you've shown more kindness than before. You did not pursue younger men. So she's not, this is his, you know, the concept here is, you know, she's not in it for the money. Yeah. She's not in it for, you know, the hot, hot looks yeah, yeah. of the young men. You know, she's not, you know, she's not yeah. being a worldly woman in a time of worldliness yeah. in the, in the, in the yeah. book of Judges, you know, uh, and he, and he basically says, now he had the right there to say, no, I can't do this. Yeah. You know, like she, even though she said, hey, "I'm ready for a proposal," like let's do this. Yeah. He had the right to say no, and he says, "Listen, I will be your redeemer, but I've got to figure some stuff out. Yeah. You're going to be safe here. You know, I'll, I'll do it as because yeah, as- there, there was a close. There actually, what we find out now is that there was a closer relative. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is, uh, it was also the kinsman redeemers. Normally, they were the ones that had to take the initiative with this stuff. Uh, Boaz would not have done that because he already knows actually yes. that there's a closer yeah. that yeah. there's a closer relative yeah. so 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 this is no reflection on Boaz that he hadn't initiated this yeah. kinsman oh, redeemer action he's he's got a spa, he's he's been he's noticed Ruth and he's thought you know <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's, he's yeah, yeah that's right thing. yeah that's right so um but that, that this other kinsman redeemer hadn't taken any action now it's actually interesting that it's Ruth that initiates yes. uh this um, what is really an, an effort to fulfil the law. Yeah. You know, there's something that needs to be done here uh, in order to restore, to redeem this family line. But yeah. it's not the redeemer that takes the initiative. It's Ruth the Moabite who takes the initiative to fulfil the law. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's and again, it's a, again as we're painting a picture here. You know, Ruth, and of course Naomi. Let's you know Naomi's. Yeah. Uh, Working on this as well. <laughs> no, yeah. Naomi's definitely working on yeah. it. Yeah. So we get. So we. You know. So Ruth. He he looks after. Uh, he looks after Ruth. Make sure she's again. She's got yeah. food provision. Make sure she's safe from the other men. Gets her out and safely back home. Naomi's like, how did it go? And he, she's like, it's it's all good. Boaz is working on something. And then we get this. Uh, you know, this amazing story in chapter four, the last chapter here. We're in yeah. the last chapter already of Boaz in the gate of the town, and you know, with a with a sandal and yeah. the kinsman. You know, the yeah. other close relative in here, and he plays it. This is so funny. This is so. Yeah. There's a, there's a humour to this sense, you know, here because he. He really sets up this guy to, you know, this other closer, uh, you know, um, relative of Elimelech. Uh, he sort of, he, Moab is like, oh, listen, by the way, you know, I've been yeah. doing some research and there's a field, yeah. you know, there's the family lot over here. Yeah. You heard about Elimelech and yeah. the sons, you know, would you like to redeem it? You know, you know, very casual about it. Uh, any, you know, no one else other than you and the, and the you know, the closer 
Redeemer says, you know, yeah, 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 I'm totally into that. I want the land. And he goes, oh, look, by the way, by the way, look, there's one little <laughs> yeah, one little, little thing here. Uh, there's uh, the Moabite, the Moabitess. You've, you've got to marry her. And he was like, what? Yeah. That type of thing. Yeah, probably for a couple of reasons why he balks at this. So, when, when it comes to the land, yeah. do you want to redeem this land? Which basically means that he, he buys the land and incorporates it in, into his- Yeah. Uh, and that would provide on, for Naomi. Yeah, that would provide for Naomi. Yeah. But there's actually more to this. So, it's not just about redeeming the land. It's actually about redeeming the line as yes. well. Yeah. So, the, the understanding his- so, so, Boaz points out that this means that you, you would- to really fulfill your obligation would be to marry Ruth. And then the actual land wouldn't go to you. It'd actually go to her sons. And he says, "Uh, okay, no, don't want to. Well, and he points out because he's like, well, I've already got my inheritance set up. Yeah. And if I do this, this is going to ruin all of that because part of that land will go to her. He understands what's taking place here. And and may not want to marry a Moabite either. (laughs) There's probably that as well. This is going to really mess me up. And so, um, uh, you know, they remove sandals and give it to each other as a promise. Yeah. And so the redeemer, redeemer mo- removes sandals. That's sand- just the standard way of. Like uh, a handshake. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, I know, it's, <laughs> you know, giving yeah. it to both. Buy, buy back the property for yourself. So Boaz said to the elders and all the people, You have witnessed today that I am buying for Naomi everything that belonged to Elimelech and the sons. I will also acquire, and this is where it doesn't, not very romantic here. Mm. I will also require Ruth the Moabitess, you know, uh, as my wife, to be perpetuated the deceased man's name on his property, so that his name will not disappear. Exactly as you, you know, yeah. to, you've witnessed that to that, and all the elders go, "Great, we've witnessed this. Go for it. May you, yeah. you know." Uh, yeah. So the point there is, is that he, because the other part of the legal transaction is that he's playing this leveret role. Yeah. So that, uh, so that he's committing. Explain that word. Leveret. Uh, leveret is is when you marry, when the um, uh, when there's a deceased man and the the deceased man's brother marries his widow in order to raise up children yes. if they haven't had children, yes. so that his name can be continued. As that's you the, explained before, that's just the name that's, for that. Yeah, that's the the leveret uh, leveret marriage. Thing. Yes. So um, yeah, so he's so the reason why he's doing that is because there's this legal aspect to this. Yeah. You know, I'm going to perform this leveret role. Uh, and there's there are witnesses to that, uh, so that it's actually Elimelech Elimelech's name that will carry on. Now, the in- interesting when we get to the genealogy, genealogy, you would expect yeah. that you would it would be Elimelech there, um, but it's actually Boaz because the whole point of the Leveret marriage is that it's Elimelech's name that is on the property, yeah. and yet the genealogy at the end of the book of Ruth. Uh, has has Boaz because the key thing here is not it's not so much a matter of legal right but what Boaz is being in a sense credited as the man of faith in all of this that's it and so he is the one that's credited in this sense yeah. as being the parent of David <clears throat> well of uh, of Obed who's yeah. the father of Jesse who's the father of David um, even though. In in the legal sense, it was meant to be uh, um, Marlon or which whichever of the sons. Uh, I think it's Marlon. Yeah. Uh, you know, Elimelech's son was meant to be credited as being the son that the father of uh, Obed. Obed, and yet Boaz. When yeah. it comes to the genealogy, ah, no, the father's Boaz. Yeah. So, so rather than the legal fiction, as yes. it were, yes. the legally established fiction, yeah. the, the reality, the canonical text yes. goes with 
you know, this inspired text with the message, this prophetic message, yeah. actually credits it to Boaz, yeah. you know, the natural descent. Because again, Boaz is, because remember, Elimelech and Marlon, they did the wrong thing. Yeah. They hightailed it yeah. out. Yes. Uh, so even though, yes, they still receive their legal. Uh, you know, they still re- receive, I-, I guess, their legal, uh, um, their their legal rights here in a sense. And yet, in the biblical text, uh, Boaz is the one that's and, credited, and, and and it's beautiful. And all of this, all and this is so rich. And this theme that we sort of squirm in our seats a little bit about. But I think there's there's a real beauty and there's a hope for this, no matter whatever your circumstances is, because we get the elders of Bethlehem saying, when they witness this, they literally say, may your house become uh, like the house of Perez, yeah. the son of Tamar, who bore, Ju- yeah. you know, bore to Judah. So, right there, they're, they're bringing back that story because of the offspring the Lord will give you by this young woman. So, right there, the elders are recognizing, the, these yeah. elders, elders are recognizing this shady thing that was done by Tamar yeah. to bring bring forth Perez yeah, yeah. is there. Boaz has got the backdrop of yeah. a shady mother himself yeah, who was right, Rahab. Yeah. I am now marrying this Moabitess. Yeah. The Moabites are a shady people. Yeah. And I'm bringing forth the child and the child is Obed. And Obed, you know, we get the final picture for Naomi here. Ruth comes and puts Obed on Naomi's lap yeah. and Naomi is able to finally, you know, have the blessing and, you know, yeah. it, you know, it's a happy ending for there. And we get the we get the picture and this is the point. And I think of, you know, whether it was Samuel or, or you know, the you know, the, the prophet Samuel, whoever, who's putting together this backstory for King David. Yeah. Is is, you know, you know, putting it all together. This is the whole point of it. You know, we have the line from Judah down to uh, Salmon and Rahab, give, you know, yeah, bringing forth yeah. Boaz. Boaz, uh, you know, with Ruth fathering Obed, Obed fathered Jesse, and Jesse fathered David, yeah. King David. So we've got Ruth, the Moabite, being the, the, the yeah. great grandmother. That's right. Of, yeah. of, of the king. Of and, and of king course, David, David at one point in the story of David, yes. David goes and, and he stays with his relatives yeah. in Moab. Yeah. I mean, he goes and, you know, lives lives in Moab. Yeah, and that's up, a connection Well, there. one of the first things that when, when we'll get there, one of the first things that King Saul does when, when we get the first king, we get yeah. Saul. Yeah. Saul goes, right, I'm going to go take care of the Moabites. And he goes in and, and, and conquers yeah. the Moabites. Yeah. And so- when David is being chased around everybody by Saul and his family come to him and a whole stack of his family come to him and say, yeah. we're in trouble. Saul's going to kill us all. Yeah. He goes, all right, let's go back to our relatives in Moab. Yeah. And and the king yeah, of Moab right. looks yeah. after the king. It's an amazing yeah, it's story. Amazing story. Amazing story. And the thing, the thing and, and to close this off, um, and, and this gets back to the, a bit of the big picture of how this fits into, into that big picture, is that this sets up the idea of redemption, the very idea of redemption. Yeah. And remember, you know, I said, in a sense, we as the Gentile, we as Gentile believers, uh, we are Ruth. Yeah. And um, and you have this imagery uh, of the Redeemer, you know, brought in by the kinsman Redeemer. You know, the, the kinsman Redeemer is, is the one that uh, buys us out of slavery. Amen. The kinsman re- Redeemer is the one that um, purchases for us the inheritance that we lost. Yeah. You know. Yes. <clears throat> this, this sets up what redemption actually is. And this is, this is all fulfilled in what Christ did for us. When we talk about Christ as Redeemer, Christ redeems us from slavery. Yeah. Christ uh, restores to us the inheritance that we lost yeah. uh, due to our guilt. And, and He... 
um, and he establishes our pl- establishes us as part of God's people. Yeah. We are, you know, we who were not a people yeah. have now become. We are grafted into the people of God. So, so we are Ruth, and uh, Boaz is this symbol of Christ mm. uh, into, you know, into whom, who, you know, it's the imagery of uh, of the bride of Christ, and yeah. um, it's it's such a beautiful picture, Ruth and Boaz in so many respects of what Jesus Christ has done for us, we who were on the outside, we who were under the curse, we who were shut out from the things of God have been redeemed by Jesus, who is our kinsman redeemer, uh, who has redeemed us and drawn us into the family of God again so that we can rejoice as Naomi and Ruth rejoiced. You know what? I guess it all depends on what type of church you grew up in as a child. If you, if you did grow up in one, because I grew up in a particular denomination where I heard many great sermons about Jesus being our kinsman redeemer. And just that phrase and hearing Matthew bring it all home together, aligning the story of Boaz and Ruth with Jesus Christ and the church. Man, it brings back those memories. I just love that phrase, kinsman redeemer. So good. I love the book of Ruth. Now, don't forget, head over to the App Store and download the Sons of Korah app. Give it a bell, give it a try, and you definitely want to check out the episodes of the new Sons of Korah biography that we're telling in the app with me and Matt. I mean, I mean, goodness gracious, you know, who, where could you go wrong? No, it's a fantastic app with so much more than just that. So check that out in the App Store today. Well, until the next episode, we hope that you thrive. Thanks for listening to this episode of Thrive Deeper. Matthew and DJ really appreciate the questions and thoughts about what you're reading in the Bible as you go through it with Thrive. Our home on the internet is thrivetoday.tv. You can contact us, ask questions, see all of our resources and much more at our website, thrivetoday.tv. The Thrive Today Network is on Facebook. Our Facebook page and links to our community groups are waiting for you. Just search and like Thrive Today page in Facebook now. Visit ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. If you appreciate what we do and want to help us reach more people, go to ratethispodcast.com slash thrive deeper. Until next time, our prayer is that these shows will inspire you to go deeper into God's Word and thrive. This was another DJP.FM production.